Hello, you're listening to Send in the Experts with Georgina Durant. This podcast is all about teaching and supporting children and young people with special educational needs and disabilities, SEND. I'm Georgina Durant. I'm the host of this podcast brought to you by Twinkle SEND. As a former teacher in Senko myself, I wanted to create a platform to share some of the amazing things that my guests are doing to support learners of SEND. So whether you're listening on your commute, tuning in whilst walking your dogs or curled up on the sofa with a nice cup of coffee, thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, I'm joined by the wonderful, energetic and inspirational Sue Atkins. Sue is an internationally recognised parent expert, broadcaster, speaker and author of the Amazon best-selling books, Parenting Made Easy, How to Raise Happy Children and Raising Happy Children for Dummies as well as the author of the highly acclaimed Parenting Made Easy resources. She regularly appears on the flagship ITV show This Morning, as well as Good Morning Britain and Sky News, and is the parenting expert for Disney Family and many BBC radio stations around the UK. She's also author of the highly acclaimed Can Do Kids Journal, Discover Your Confidence Superpower. Hi, Sue. Lovely to see you again. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. Since we last spoke, I believe you've got married. So congratulations. Yes, thank you very much. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, So you're not only just a parenting expert, but you're also a bit of a podcast expert as you have your own very successful podcast that I had the pleasure of being a guest on a while back. Um, So I'll be honest, I'm feeling the pressure today um, now that the tables are turned and I'm interviewing you. (laughs) So would you like to tell us a little bit about your podcast Sure. Well, I do too, actually. I do the Sue Atkins Parenting Show, which is a free weekly podcast around all sorts of topics. And people write in to my Don't Stew Ask Sue feature and ask me questions about anything to do with raising happy, confident kids. And then I also have The Parentverse, which is where I interview experts from around the world. I've coming up to five years doing it now. So I've interviewed people, you know, in early brain development, autism, uh, special needs, dyslexia, you know, moody teenagers to toddler tantrums. So you name it, I've covered it <laughs> by interviewing people. So they're all available on my website or wherever you listen to your podcasts, both of them, yep. um, you know, for you to listen to. So yeah, so yeah, busy Fantastic. with podcasting. Very busy. Uh, so a lot of our listeners will be teachers and you yourself have been a teacher and a deputy head. I believe you're a teacher for 22 years, according to Wikipedia. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> by the time it all stretched out, it was around about 25 years. So yes, oh, I, wow. I loved teaching. I never felt I did a day's work in my life. And now I don't feel I still do a day's work in my life. And I love, <laughs> I love what I do. So yeah, very, very interested in all things teaching and educational though still yeah can you can you tell us about your career then did you are you one of those people that when you were a child always wanted to be a teacher or did you fall into the job how did it happen well I'm trained by Tony Robbins and Paul McKenna in something called NLP which is the study of excellence and excellent communication and I remember doing an exercise in Florida with Tony Robbins where you went back in time and you sort of look back at your life and I and I suddenly realized from the age of five I wanted to be a teacher or a journalist or a journalist so um that is so interesting to me because, you know, I had a 22 or 25 year kind of career teaching, loving it. And then I decided, yeah. you know, decided after my father died quickly followed by my mum to, to do something else. I'd been teaching for a very long time. I was very, very interested yeah. in self-esteem for children. I was head of PSHE at that time as well. I've trained with Jenny Molesley and uh, I decided to, you know, go sideways. I thought, oh, 
I've been teaching the children for all this time, but actually walking yeah. across muddy fields one day with my dogs, I thought, what when they both died, my parents, so suddenly, I thought, what did they yeah. give me? And I thought, oh, well, they gave me the gift of self-esteem, hopefully not an arrogance. Yeah. And I need to work with the parents because <laughs> they're the first people that give self-esteem and confidence to kids. So that's when all of that yeah. sort of took off. So underpinning everything that I do, and I love what I do, I do all sorts of variety of things, is actually raising a happy, confident, resilient child that grows up to be a happy, confident, you know, toddler, then a teenager, then an adult, and eventually then, you know, a positive parent. That's what it's all about for me, yes. really, leaving a legacy behind me. That's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. If you went back to being a deputy head or a teacher now, is there anything you would do differently now that you've sort of, you've been teaching, you know, you've been teaching parents and that sort of things. Is there anything you would do differently? No, I wouldn't do anything differently. I just loved what I did. I was very enthusiastic. I taught in both the state sector and the private sector. I've worked with children of all sort of backgrounds and with additional needs and all sorts of things and I look back at my time and I think well I always put my heart and soul into everything that I do I tend to do 110% so I look back at all of that and I loved teaching I remember one time many many years ago I was teaching young kids in a primary school I remember going into the staff room it was a Wednesday and it was raining and it was November and it struck me as oh I'd, I'd just do this even if I wasn't paid because I just love, <laughs> I just love doing Brilliant. it. So it's always stayed with me that I've been very blessed that to enjoy what I do. Because I know lots and lots yeah. of people don't enjoy their jobs, but teaching has come yeah. under such pressure. I've still got loads of friends who are teachers, yeah. and you know, through this pandemic, my goodness me, I want to hold out a helping hand and a pat on the back because Absolutely. they have been through so much and done so much to help and support yeah. children's learning at home. And you know, without being too political, the government, you know, beat them with a stick. And I like to sort mm. of on my Twitter feed at times really praise and and you know celebrate the hard work that all teachers do because you don't go into teaching you know it's not a hugely well-paid job it's a more of a vocation and I just want to pat people on the back for all the the difficult times that we've been through yes absolutely um so you have expertise in teaching and in parenting what can parents learn from what works in teaching and what can teachers learn from what works in parenting Oh, goodness. Communication, I think, is the respect, um, you know, that's the key energy of a family and respect, of course, as well. And I think we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. And when you're a teacher, you know, you listen before speaking sometimes. And sometimes with parents, they don't always listen to understand. They're always kind of listening to rescue or to tell or to nag. So my advice, I have a technique that I have in all all my CDs and MP3s. They are now, they're not CDs, um, around the pause button technique. You can just put in Sue Atkins pause button. It's videos, it's written up. But it's about, imagine you have a cam, um, you've got this remote control in your hand. You press pause button sometimes when something's going a bit wrong, you take a physical step back and you just, it gives you that split second to think, right, now what am I going to say? What am I going to do? If I, you know, shout at the kids, this will damage the relationship. Am I just going to lose my temper? Am I going to be very specific in what I need them to do next? So the pause button technique is such a simple one, but it really does get you back in control of some of the things because otherwise you're, you know, you're not, 
responding to your kids, you're reacting. So I talk a lot about the difference in that. So that actually you're a kind of a more positive parent, more aware of what you're doing. And sometimes if you have a, imagine you have a camcorder on your shoulder, it's observing you. Yeah. Because kids take their lead from you, actually. So if you're rude to them, they're going to be rude back to you, no doubt. So yeah, it's about conscious yeah. parenting, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. And that strategy, I imagine, with the pause button could equally be used in teaching, oh, couldn't it? If you've got yes. a class and you're struggling yes. and uh, taking that step back and thinking, how am I going mm. to respond to this class? What am I going to do? I think that's really important. Um, so you've so you started as a teacher, you were a deputy head, and then you went into being this parenting expert. And one of the things I know uh, my team were quite interested in is your time on this morning. So you've been a parenting expert on this morning. Are you able to tell us anything about what it's like in the studio? It's really enjoyable. Everybody's very lovely. Everyone's very friendly. I used to love doing it with Eamon and Ruth because we got on very well yeah. together. He's so relaxed. He's been doing it a long time. And I, I love live TV and I, I loved the live aspect of answering questions. You know, I'd go in the green room and I'd meet all sorts of wonderful people from Frankie Valley to Ryland to all sorts of people. And then Brilliant. they'd give me the questions and I'd have a little look through and I said well let's let's do these and then we just go live and I would answer the questions and uh, I thrive on that and then that led to me being yeah. Disney's parenting expert sitting on their sofas for over a year and a half or more uh, still doing that where I just take questions and answer them and reassure parents really and, and I just thrive on live tv and some of my friends go I don't know how you do that <laughs> I just love it so anyway there we are <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine some of it is from being a teacher as well isn't it that sort of you, you know you're live all the time in the classroom being a teacher with questions you've got to respond all the time being observed same sort of different audience no you're right and you're sort of performing aren't you I mean you're authentic and and honest but if you're a born communicator and you love what you do it's about actually not about me it's always about the the other person I thought how can I help them how can I serve them it's the same with kids when they didn't get something you don't shout at them or get cross and say it the same way you think to yourself if you're a good teacher now they're not getting this what can I do differently are they kinesthetic are the auditory should I repeat it in a different way um you know you look at that so it's all about communication really yeah absolutely um so when you were on this morning did you ever give parenting advice to like Phil and Holly oh Eamon definitely many times yeah 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 because he had a son who he was kind of uh, you know sort of at loggerheads a little bit with and I just said to him but that sounds fantastic he sounds like a leader and he went god I've never thought of it like that (laughs) so we chatted about his sort of teenage son and and you know he reframed that and thought that was helpful so and Holly I remember when I first used to be on there with her she said oh my god I go into restaurants and people go oh that's Holly Willoughby and her kids are running around and not eating their broccoli (laughs) Uh, can you give me a hand so I gave her my that was easy peasy lemon squeezy button so she uses that so does um oh what's the one that does all the handy work Kirsty that's it Kirsty yes <laughs> so you've written quite a few books now how many books have you written in total six? Uh, I've written well four published books by published. You know, ran- yeah well by Random House and uh Jess- Jessica Kingsley Publishers but I've got absolutely stacks of ebooks and books that I've written to go alongside my mp3 download so yeah four published yeah. books by recognized publishers. Published books. yeah 
I, when I wanted to talk particularly about was your Can Do Kids journal, which is brilliant. And I think it'll be particularly useful for our listeners of teachers and senkos um, to use with children, especially at the moment. Would you agree mm. that it would be a useful resource? Yes, because having a can-do attitude for me is sort of like a growth mindset, but it's, it's having that mindset of having a go, failing forward, making mistakes, getting back up. And goodness knows, poor kids, they've had such a torrid time, some of them, not all of them, during these yeah. last two years. And the idea that, you know, you build resistance, uh, resilience, because it is a muscle, self-esteem and confidence, you can teach it. You do need to practice it, because if you don't use it for a while, it can wobble. And that's the same as us when we're, you know, as adults as well. So the Can Do Kids yeah. Journal was when I used to go into schools and run workshops around this kind of thing. And I thought, well, let me write it into kind of a journal so you can do the exercises, not in any order, just have fun doing them, fun, um, to get kids thinking. And it, it came from, I was on the board of Kidsania up in London. And I just watched this child when I was going round with Gare Grouse, my pal, and he, this little person wouldn't have a go at climbing up something because they really wanted to, but they hadn't got the confidence to try. And that's when it dawned on me. Yeah. I think I needed to do a can-do kids journal to teach kids that muscle that try. It doesn't matter if you fail. It's not dangerous on something like that either. It's all safe. But life yeah. is about having a go. Uh, otherwise, you're always sitting back and, you know, life passes you by. So, yeah, the Candy yeah. Kid Journal has lots of exercises in it that are fun to do, that can be done at home, done with grandma, done in schools with teachers. And, um, you know, I hope it helps. And lots of people seem to say it does. It's won awards now and everything too. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. So would it be useful in particular for children with SEND, for children with special educational needs and disabilities? Yes, of course, because then, you know, it depends on the age and their ability and whether you sit with them and do the exercises together or start them off or get them thinking mm -hmm. or get them talking or supporting them. Yes, so the Can Do Kids Journal, Discover Your Confidence Superpower, is ideally, situ you know, suited to children with additional needs they may do it in their own time and that's absolutely fine yeah. it's not a race is it? it's not a rush but the skill sets within that the activities are all thought through to build that resilience and that confidence and that attitude to life to try absolutely and how would you describe the word resilience then what would you how would you define resilience because it's a tricky one a lot of people use it and and don't say what it actually means well it's not the absence of fear but it is working through things and when you've had a setback you get back up and you have another go or you go round yeah. something or you go under it or you go over it you know you look at life with all its obstacles but you don't let it defeat you 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 know you might have a rest you might have a recovery period of something but you just bounce back uh, from resilience you know for me resilience is bouncing back from setbacks for children who might be aware that they're working below the level of their peers in a classroom how can you avoid that impacting on their self-esteem what sort of tips would you give teachers to sort of help those children with their confidence with their resilience if they're constantly trying their absolute hardest but they're not achieving the same as their peers well that's all about how you handle all of that within the classroom in personal social health education as well about not making yeah. kids feel judged and it's a about inclusivity mm -hmm. and making sure that children are not compared and then when you sit them on tables make sure that they're not next to you know in groups of certain things so that children know because they know anyway themselves if they're struggling or they're slower at things but this is about tolerance respect and supporting a child with additional needs and not trying yeah. to push them through 
through any hoops or tick any boxes for the government on Ofsted. And it's the same thing with parents as well. You'd be amazed what you can achieve if you just keep at it. You know, the tortoise and the hare, it is about consistency. Keep doing it. And what are the, you know, the goals for yourself? Don't compare. No, no kids should compare themselves actually to other no. people. When my children used to play in the garden, my son is two years older than my daughter and they used to ride bike. And one of the things I remember this game that they both started to play was Will started it off with this race around the different parts of the garden but he had his timer on his watch so instead of him trying to beat her because he would always beat her because he was bigger and stronger he was older than her <laughs> um, they then did the timing so they were actually playing together but timing themselves and trying to beat themselves oh, at their fantastic. own time now he was only about eight or yeah. nine at that time and she was about seven or so and I remember thinking that is, that's brilliant that is because that's instead lovely. of you know it's about playing together and alongside but recognising that actually it's not a competition because he would always perhaps win it you know so yeah it's the same mentality you create an atmosphere in the classroom where it's inclusive and you do sometimes need to remind the rest of the, the class perhaps about other children and their additional needs and what that means not to patronize yeah. them to educate them and i mean i i'm a fan of strictly and that has just been amazing that whole oh, series for me, with rose who i really championed and wanted to win actually although yeah. johannes as well for all sorts of reasons and diversity you had the whole gambit there you know all three of those finalists were wonderful so that's doing great things for all sorts of people to realize that you can overcome things you won't all win strictly come dancing that would be ridiculous but (laughs) what she showed is so much determination resilience and if you have a can-do attitude you can improve on what you can do yourself and you will surprise yourself and then you'll have a huge buzz of self-esteem yeah and I suppose it's building in the classroom when we think back to the classroom it's building that can-do attitude that everyone thinks everybody else can do as well it's not just about themselves but the can-do attitude of of the class and believing in each of the strengths and what everyone's capable of doing oh absolutely and and that comes right the way down through an ethos of a school or you create that in your classroom yeah lovely do you think your book and these sort of these strategies to help with self-esteem and confidence are even more useful at the moment during this pandemic and with all the upheaval that children have well we've all had but children in particular have had do you think it's yeah even more vital for parents and teachers to be working on children's self-esteem and resilience at the moment yes and I have a voice I suppose on Twitter and things like that because of what I do and for me it's not about you know let's get they were talking all the time in the summer about catching up well, you know, what are we catching up <laughs> with and why are we trying to catch up to? Because it's all about mental health and well-being for me. That is your priority as well as those hierarchy of yeah. needs. You know, why are you so busy trying to get here when you're not looking at the fundamentals? And some children have had a torrid, awful time. They haven't had, that's yeah. not me, that's my dog. Um, and they haven't <laughs> had, <laughs> and they haven't had. Is he sneezing? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Um, but it's about making sure that children Um, are supported through this time they're nurtured that they you know you can build memories that last a lifetime of of fun as well and it has been uncertain but of course children will take their lead from you 
And teenagers as well, they may look like they're coping okay. So just sort of tap into them and listen to them and say, how are you doing? Don't rush into rescue. Don't try and solve all their problems. But sometimes they get hold of the wrong end of the stick or they're getting misinformation or they're on social media and their friends are winding them up. Yeah. So it's just tapping into that sometimes, creating moments where you can have a chat without it being too intense, perhaps walking the dog or driving in the car somewhere. You open up a conversation. So you just check in on their mental health and their well-being as well. Yeah, that's really important. I suppose teachers could use that when in the classroom or just at break time, perhaps just being available for teenagers to have someone to talk to. I think it's really important. Yes, I think so. And having that space and that time. And playtime as well. When you're outside, if you're a primary teacher, you know, you're just going around if you're on duty and you can be informally chatting to a child and just sort of keeping an eye on them. You don't have to make it all important. But if you're a good teacher, your antennae is up all the time noticing certain things. That's a very good point. Yeah. So your other books then. So we've spoken quite a lot about your can-do journal for kids, which, like we said, I think will be particularly useful for our listeners. Um, You've written some other books. Would you like to tell us about each of those as well? Yes, I've got an award-winning journal just recently called The Divorce Journal for Kids, because unfortunately... um, the pandemic has put a lot of strain on relationships and parents as well. And I do focus and specialise in helping parents through divorce, um, you know, through my six week coaching programme and all the sorts of things I've written. I've written loads and loads of articles about that on my website under the blog section you can look at if you're looking at it. Um, But children, I remember when this was published, actually, it made me quite emotional. I remember this little girl called Becky. She won't thank me if she's listening to this. God knows how old she is now. But anyway, <laughs> she was eight then. And she was lovely. And she said to me, but nobody's listening to me. And I thought, I was oh. so struck by that. And she was only eight. And she's very eloquent and all the rest of it. And so 20 years later, I wrote the no, the, the divorce journal for kids because that was for her, because it's a safe place to look at divorce positively as well, look at all the good things about being in a family and things that you do like and how things change in life and how you have to learn to adapt. And then it takes you on a journey so you can express and look at your own emotions, look at and understand. So they can do it on their own, but they can also do it with Mm -hmm. grandma or dad or mum so that it's a safe space to sort of explore how they're feeling because everybody goes through, I wrote about this called the seven stages of handling a divorce based on the Kubler-Ross grief module, actually. But, you know, we do turn a corner after a divorce and you do rise again like a phoenix, but everyone will be at different stages from grandma to mum to dad to, you know, auntie to you to your brother. And it's important that children feel heard and process their emotions properly too. So that's the um, divorce journal for kids. Again, exercises and fun stuff, but actually would be a great place to, you know, explore their emotions and their process of handling It's a really good it. point because you've got a lot of people focus on the grown-ups, don't they, and the adults going through the divorce and how it's affecting them. But actually the children are just just as impacted not more impacted by it and to have that space to be even just to show them but with this journal that we are listening to you we are respecting yeah. your views we know it's impacting on you it's it's like the gift of yeah recognition isn't it recognition that it's impacting on them yeah because I had another little girl fairly recently actually Ruby who said to me well, why is it I have to move every weekend why doesn't mum and dad <laughs> and, yeah, it's a very good point <laughs> and actually I'm interviewing a guy on my podcast that was I heard him on the Jeremy Vine show actually so I rang it was 
sort of text into him and said, oh, you know, would you like to come on my podcast? He talks about nesting, mm. which is actually if you can manage it, and they did do it. It's quite a while they had done it, and it's um, the kids have grown up with it, where you have one base where, you know, right. he does a week, the kids stay there all the time. He does a week there, then the, the wife or the ex-wife rather comes in and does a week there. So that whole point of is that the kids stay in the same place and the parents rotate, but not everyone can yeah, afford to necessarily do that. But it's another option, you know. Yeah, that's a clever idea. So nesting in the sense that it's like the baby birds in the nest and yeah. the mother and the father are coming back and too. I love that idea. Yeah. I like you say, it might not be practical for everybody, but um, would help with the continuity for children. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You've got to think out of the box sometimes and you look at your own circumstances. So, of course, that's the whole area of divorce, which is everything is unique and different. And there will be a spike. Um, there's there's loads of research showing that actually, want, you know, once we're coming out and then we come in and then we go up and we go down and we're yeah. all over the place, it's putting a great strain on relationships. So, yes, I wanted to be able to help the kids during that turbulent time really. so your other books then would you tell me tell me about another one please yes okay <laughs> well parenting made easy how to raise happy children yeah. was my uh, second book and yeah. all of it's about positive parenting and none of it's about judgment and finger pointing and you know it's i'm trained as a coach so i ask lots mm-hmm. of good questions to help people find their own answers really and people find that quite strange oh that's an interesting question well yes because not all one size fits all everyone has a slightly different way of doing things so i ask questions that help you think about it then of course i can take off that hat and put on my other one which says well this worked very well you know here or i've studied this and this could try this and all the rest of it so yeah the parenting made easy um how to raise happy children is bursting with all sorts of stuff like that but also practical things from toddler to teenager looking at communication and confidence and sibling rivalry and all those sorts of things that you know just ordinary problems that families have when they're growing together growing up in a family environment and my first book uh, that I was well I've always been invited to write my books actually I haven't pitched but the first one I was invited to write was um, Raising Happy Children for Dummies one in the famous black and yellow series and I love yeah. doing that because there's a formula to that and you can dip in and out like all of my books actually you can dip in and out of them but there was a real structure to there and I like the one at the end where it says you know 10 simple things you can do every day so yeah. dip in and out of that there's a special needs section of course into that one as well an additional needs one and all sorts of things I I try to be as practical as I can because I've raised two children myself. You know, some uh, people that we all know who've written books and stuff don't have kids. And whilst I don't criticise that, it is, you know, I do know what it's like to get up in the night to a sick child and watch your 18-year-old turn right out of a junction when she's just passed her test and you think, I hope she makes it. hope she makes it to Auntie Betty. (laughs) So anyway, yes. So all my stuff tends to be practical because I know what it's like. Yeah, drawing on life experiences, yeah. I imagine on your teaching experience as well. And um, storytelling. Did, did you... you know, I tell a lot of stories about my own life, how they, you know, someone said to me, oh, you've always got loads of metaphors in there. I suppose I just bring things in that would sort of explain a story or explain something I'm talking about and hopefully, you know, show people the way this is how you could do it. You know. Yeah, and much more relatable that way because people mm, can put themselves in the same situation and think, yeah, that's that's what would I have done if that had happened to me and how will I yeah, handle that situation if it does happen again? I think that's good. Um, so your parenting club, so you work with parents as part of your Sue Atkins Parenting Club. And I know that's bursting with sort of quick win videos. It's got monthly webinars and regular Facebook lives. I don't know how you do all this stuff, by the, suit, by the way, Sue. When I'm saying all of these things that you do, you sound like an incredibly busy lady. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so 
Can schools use your parenting club as well? There was a section for par- uh, for teachers, yes. And I've written actually an MP3 download, which is really comprehensive. It's almost like a real coaching program called the Teachers Bouncing Back Toolkit because oh, cool. I, lo- I looked at time management, I looked at meetings, I looked at being the best you can be. So I put it all into the Teachers Bouncing Back Toolkit. That's something that's very helpful for teachers, actually. First-hand advice about when I was a deputy and also when I was an you know mentoring other people so I put it all in it's just that thing about you you learn it all and then you sort of can teach it to other people and it's one of those things that I like when it's an mp3 is you can you know when you're running out or you're driving you can listen to it or you can grab a cup of coffee and sit and write down some of the you know I ask some good questions to help you find some answers and uh, yeah it's very popular amongst teachers yeah brilliant so your actual parenting club I was thinking people um if you had some teachers could use it to then sort of explain to the parents they're supporting that it would be useful for them as well is that something that happens yeah you can do that but um I wrote for parent mail for a long time as well around aspects of um you know handling parents from a teacher's point of view I was sort of yeah. building that bridge across and yeah the the parenting club is for parents really there is a sort of a section where teachers would find it handy if you had a difficult parent or you wanted to look at parental engagement for example I've written a lot about that and gave a talk at the NEC around parental engagement so anything like that but you know of course teachers are parents too so there's a whole wealth of stuff for everyone Brilliant. Um, So thank you ever so much for joining us. Have you got any links or anything where you can send people to you? So if they're looking for these books, if they're looking for some webinars, if they're looking for any of these resources, where can they go to find them? Can you give us some links? Well, you can go to thesueatkins.com, the one and only, because there's a lady called Sue Atkins sitting on a yacht and it's not me. So I'm (laughs) thesueatkins.com. There's a whole wealth of things in my blog. I mean, they're not really blogs. They're just like full blown articles a lot of the time all my yeah. things are in the shop you can explore the webinar you can explore the podcast the parent verse um you know it's all there for you to explore and actually positive toddler roadmap which is um i've recorded 41 videos actually and 41 audios and also then uh, 28 modules around raising a happy confident resilient toddler undamaged yep. by the pandemic because i volunteer yeah. on fridays uh, at my local library to do rhyme time and that's where Aww. babies and mums all come and carers and granddads to sing nursery I remember rhymes. going I remember going to one of them with my own children over the local library it's a lovely thing to do yeah, so I, I like it. that you're doing that I, I love doing it and you know because language is so important and you know yeah. they've missed out a bit some kids because of the lockdowns that were happening these were yeah. babies that were born in lockdown also they've missed out on the sociability side of play, you know singing and playing with li- other little ones yeah so I love to do that and that's where you know I talk about in the toddler roadmap all about the importance of language and speech development play sociable side you know introducing a new baby to you know when you've got a a toddler who's a bit jealous of the new baby so it's the (laughs) whole gambit really to to that's where my energy is going into so if you're interested in that check out the positive toddler roadmap that I've done but it's all over there on thesueatkins.com so explore and come and say hello on Twitter I'm Sue Atkins on there Instagram I'm Sue Atkins 18 LinkedIn you know I'm everywhere like everybody else is nowadays (laughs) 
Fabulous. Thank you ever so much for your time, Sue. Um, we are putting this out in the new year, but what Great. people might not realise is this is actually Christmas Eve Eve that Sue has <laughs> let me have to speak to her, which is very kind of her. I'm sure she's very busy preparing for her children. I'm actually <laughs> so surrounded. thank you ever so much. We've, yeah, we've done the shop. So I'm actually surrounded by all the cashew nuts. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Thank you ever so much. You've been a brilliant guest. I really appreciate it. What a brilliant guest. Isn't she great? Um, So yeah, I think she's given us all the links, but do make sure you check out Sue Atkins' website and her wonderful books that she has written, as well as listening to her podcasts as well. Thanks again for listening to Sending the Experts with me, Georgina Durrant. Please tell your friends about our podcast, share that you've been listening on social media and listen again next time. Thanks.